I still want to be a pioneer and create my own Girona. No, not not so big as the current one in terms of like popularity. Just the people that you like. I've completely lost my train of thought now. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. You tried to <laughs> roast me, me and then it's just backfired, hasn't it? And in the Netherlands, also the cyclists on the bike paths, just your everyday commuters, they are wild. They know how to handle a bike. You have some close, close calls on those bike paths and they just are not flustered. Whereas in New Zealand, if you pass someone on a bike path and you don't have a bell to ring, they will just lose. Yes, they will lose their minds. They will just rip your head off. Be like, get a bell. I'm locked in on like the more the the thing the less important things in life. I think. But if, <laughs> if someone was to come and argue with me on like, I think I think actually that's where my strengths lie. The being opinionated on the things that don't matter so much, the frivolous things. And um, listen to more stories. Stay tuned. Tom? More. Stories Clint. tomorrow. Stay tuned for more stories tomorrow. To hear more, as my good friend Liam Yates likes to say, stories by us. More stories tomorrow. I've never Let's actually recorded a podcast like IRL, as the Swift people oh, like to you, say. Have you only done? I've only done like a Zoom one, or and I feel like it would sort of change like the trajectory of the podcast. You know, exactly. like you'd have exactly. some. It would lose its like style. It's magic. Yeah. Not that I've listened to many of them, but those hundred and eighty just... people that listen every week. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be mad if the style <laughs> changed. It's just like, you know, that's the way of doing things. If you go on Zoom, it's like completely different. Alright, welcome back to the More Stories Tomorrow podcast. I'm sat here in sunny cloudy Girona with my guest for this week, Ella Harris. We met, no, I bumped into you after I filmed you on the start line of Rancho last year. <laughs> just <laughs> with, I'll let you describe it in a second. But I didn't know who you were at the time. I was just like, saw someone on the start line in an absolute pickle and like filmed it. It's <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen. And then. I think I was quite calm and collected though. I was calm and collected, I was just organising my stuff. So like, insert video here. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, I'm... Do I need to defend myself now? Do I need to explain Go, what I was doing? Yeah, yeah, you can explain what you were doing. Well, it was just quite an early start for the gravel race, wasn't it? So I got to the, to the event at 6.30 and the race was starting at 7.30 and I thought, that's plenty of time, but the time just seemed to fly by and I was on the start line and I realised that I hadn't actually shaken up my bottles with the electrolyte. I think this is what I was doing in the video. Yeah, yeah, there was like a thick cake of car yeah. powder at the bottom, which yeah. you clearly done in advance and just put water on top. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I hadn't pre-shook them. So I was just on the start line in a bit of a panic, you know, getting those carbs all ready to go. Uh, you know what, I don't actually, the, the thing you were doing, which was just shaking your bottle, was fine. I think it was more your facial expression. You were like so animated. I think I was also maybe doing a bit of tapping on either side of the bottle. I, you know what, I, I don't actually have it on my phone now. I've cleared it out, but I'm going to go back and watch it. Cause it's, it's like, it's one of those videos just to say for a rainy day it was good. And like, I wasn't even using powder that's like notoriously like sticky. insoluble. Well, <laughs> it wasn't Morton, that's for sure. I'm not sponsored by Morton anymore, so I can say that. It wasn't, it no, wasn't it was, insoluble Morton. No, it was just decathlon stuff. Well, they're clearly buying from the same place. Because it was like, I think it was when you started shaking, I think I walked past the first time. 
And then I came back like five minutes later and you were still shaking, like looking more and more panicked. Um, and I think you ended up riding that with nearby one of my friends, the, the person I was there with. Oh, yes. Um, I think we both had quite eventful days. Yeah, by the sounds of it. Mm. And then, so I was like, oh, that, well, I knew who you were then. Mm. And then I saw you again, Grand Euro in yes. Germany. Yes. Yeah, briefly caught up there. Mm. And that was it. And now I'm here. Welcome. Welcome. So that's how we started. And I guess I've got one question, like the seed of conversation, at which point you're going to have to carry us the rest of the way. Okay. You are a world tour, a professional cyclist. Yes. Riding big bike races. Yes. Yet, I managed to catch you at two gravel races. Oh. That's, I mean, I've not finished it with a question, but the question is, why were you there? Do you enjoy it? Will yeah, you do that I, again, or is it just like an end of season, like... No, I really like the gravel races. And I had a gravel bike last year, but then I changed teams. So then I sold that gravel bike to my brother because sponsorship commitments. But I'm yet to get another gravel bike from the new brand. So I'm a little bit in limbo, actually. I'd really gravel like... Gravel limbo. Exactly, gravel limbo. I would really like to be back out there on the grav, training a couple of times a week on the gravel, because I like that balance and that variety. But it just hasn't been able to happen for me yet this year, unfortunately. But I did have a lot of time on my gravel bike in November, December, January, because for various reasons I didn't have a road bike in New Zealand. So I rode my gravel bike for three months straight and I was doing sprint training and FTP tests and all sorts of things on my gravel bike. So I had a very strong dose of gravel in I the saw summer. It on Instagram. Yeah, so I'm just like, I'm just feeding off that really. So at the moment I'm still quite content on the road bike, but there is a bit of an itch there to get back on the gravel and I would have liked to have done the tracker, but you need a gravel bike for that. It's so. definitely not road bike compatible. No, exactly. Just hold on one second. I just heard that breeze coming through. I'm going to put a little wind sock on. <laughs> little hat. Right, little fluffy hat is on. It's a um, strong breeze coming through. Yeah, we're sat on your apartment's balcony. and there's Terrace. A, terrace, sorry, terrace. It's bigger than it, a balcony. It needs to be distinguished because there's also a balcony. Two outdoor spaces, yes. one apartment. Well, there's a thick breeze. It's very nice to sit in, but the microphone needs its little hat on. Um, so, okay, the other question. Yes. Was that you saying, like, I want to do the gravel? Can I have a gravel bike, please, and go to these races? Oh, at the end of the I season? missed that part of the question. I didn't, I didn't ask it. Oh, okay. I've only just thought of it. I'm not prepared enough, oh, unfortunately. I did like, sort of infer that initially, though. That could be a tangent. Yeah, it's, a, it's like... Classic, <laughs> straight into the follow-up question. Um, so predictable. Or was it the team saying, like, gravel looks cool, you should go and do that? The first race I did, the Rancho, that was more me just wanting to do it because I had a free weekend and there wasn't much else. Um, Quite late in the year, wasn't it? Like, end yeah, of September? Yeah, exactly. There wasn't really anything else on. There was a road race that we were supposed to be doing and then the team was pulled out from it, so that just left me with a completely free weekend. And it was quite good training anyway, just to do an endurance ride. A big, that was a big the endurance, endurance ride. <laughs> yeah, quite, <laughs> a, quite a solid one, like 400 plus TSS. Um, so yeah, it was just like a bit of fun and it was on and it was close by. And also I had the idea that if I did well, then I could qualify or just show my face to do the- Gravel Worlds. To do the Gravel Worlds. But in the end, I didn't qualify, 
because luck was not on my side but also I had a road race when the gravel worlds were on anyway so yeah it didn't really work out but then I did the Germany Gringera Grindera Grindera I forgot how to say it now um, but that was more like a sponsorship thing because Shram. Canyon and Jero and Shram were all at the event so can you please and they were just like who in the team has ridden a gravel bike before yeah the team were, the team just asked me if I wanted to go and I was like yes please because I was supposed to go to the Grand Giro in Wales the oh, year before yeah but mm. Covid restrictions and I would have had to have quarantined for like a week to, to be able to do the event so it was a bit much unfortunately Are I had to go? give that one a miss I guess probably not anymore but like Grand Giro Wales was great fun I'm not doing it this year but would recommend oh yeah if at some point when you're Old and when retired. I eventually get a gravel bike again. Or that. When I come, when I return to the Groats. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Do they not call them Groats? No, that's an abbreviation I've. I think I've heard heard it before, but I've maybe not used because it. in Europe people don't actually ride gravel on gravel roads. It's mountain biking, isn't it? It's just like yeah, little tracks and. Wales, the grandeur of Wales is mountain biking with like okay, a no, couple no of Groats there then. Absolutely no Groats. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a yeah, wet, slippy single track. Oh, I think I need a bit of practice before I went there then. I think you'd be alright. I'm, I'm a bit rusty now though. Yeah? Yeah. Even after those three months of like... Yeah, I've, I've unlearned it. Unlearned, unlearned yeah. gravel. Yeah. If, so did you do road bikes first and then... was that? I'm guessing that gravel race wasn't the first time off-road. No, because I'd already trained a lot on my gravel bike. So I could handle it pretty well. But I'd also done a gravel race in 2019 and that was just another team tap on the shoulder, do you want to do this race? And that was the Steamboat Springs gravel race, so quite a oh, big America. one. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, so that was really cool. I did that in 2019 and then I had quite a long hiatus in the gravel racing. But I would say when I did Steamboat, I did gravel racing before it was cool. Because like 2019, it was still like no. gathering momentum. I think you've got to be pre-2016 to say really? like, I'm pre-gravel. Like before gravel was a thing when it was just like, oh. I think 2019 was like on the cusp. Oh, okay. I sort of missed the boat then, but it was definitely still Mr. on the Steamboat? up at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Steamboat. <laughs> Yeah, it, it wasn't what it was now, exactly. where like, everyone's doing it. But also, kind of cool that the team at the time were like doing the tapping before it was cool. Yeah, because I think Kenyon were quite into it back then. Mm. It feels like, I don't know, every team's like now got like a token gesture, gravel racing on the side, doesn't it? Yeah. It's part of the programme. Yeah, um, I think so, yeah. But still, it's just quite hard to fit it in with road racing. Yeah. So like the track would have been a good one because... Okay, it comes in like almost not a lull in the season, but it's just like a week off. Like post classics, pre tours. Exactly, yeah. If I was doing the Vuelta, then it wouldn't have fitted in, but I have two weeks no road racing now, so. How exciting. Yeah, it would have been good. I mean, that's what I'm doing here. I was at the tracker. I didn't do the tracker this year, but I was there. <laughs> um, so this is you my. You just had FOMO, you just didn't want to miss out. Exactly. Well, I mean, I had an entry. It's just my knee hurts. Mm. So I didn't want to, you know, pay for my flights, pay for my hotel. Might yeah, as well true. Come, come on for the ride. True. Also from London, Girona is so easy to get to. I might treat did myself you, to another weekend at some point. Did you just fly straight into Girona Airport? Yeah. Oh, that's good then. Absolute dream. Yeah. Girona yeah. Airport's like pumping at the moment. Just like gearing up for the summer season. Ready so. for all the cyclists. I don't actually think the Girona Airport market would predominantly be cyclists Who do you, you would think that but that's because you're a cyclist 
I think if you actually... Uni students? No, I think just... (laughs) That's the type of people that in New Zealand we get a lot of TV shows about. Like the classic UK UK people coming abroad. Coming to Spain for like their holidays. And that's that's the Girona airport, you reckon? I think so. Like holidays on the Costa Brava. Like Benidorm, I get it. Like that's just like pure... Mm. What's the actually you can describe that type of person? I'll let you incriminate yourself. <laughs> what the the type of person? Just well, in New Zealand, my parents always call people from the UK poms. Okay. So I would just say like, um, just classic poms, really, just going on holiday and just living it up, you know, going abroad, exotic Spain. Yeah, the all inclusive life. Yeah, like, but quite cheap holidays at the same time. I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because I've watched, I've watched a few episodes of Place in the Sun. Uh, that's okay, one of my okay. favourite British shows. And some of those British people, they get their little white houses down on the Costa Blanca for an absolute steal. So You're I watching think, like the 2009 reruns. Like, that is so cheap. <laughs> so I think if you want a cheap and cheerful holiday and you're from the UK, UK to Duran Airport, can't go okay, wrong. Okay, that's, that's like the bread and butter customer. I think so, yeah. I okay. think if you were to like go and ask the Girona Airport Marketing Department, I think that's what they would tell you. <laughs> Fair. I mean, to, yeah, okay. But well, lots uh, of cyclists as well, I think. Yeah, it was like a little party by the oversized baggage thing. It was just like... Of bikes? Of people waiting for bikes. But oh, yeah, okay. Just like, and obviously we're all on the London flights. So it's like, I know you. I know you. True. It was a little bit hectic. Okay, maybe there were but a few weekend. more cyclists than normal. Mm, tracker weekend's been a bit much. It's quite hard to get anywhere. I was late here because I bumped into people. Oh, yeah, because you said you were going to be on time, spelt with a Y, and then <laughs> and then you came at like 10 minutes later. But that's that's bumped, the Girona way. I bumped into you three, three groups. I was so quick as well, I was like, I've got to go. I was very rude, but just kept bumping into people. Yeah, that's one thing about Girona, you can't get anywhere without bumping into people. So that's why I'm strategically positioned at this end of town. 600 metres from the 600 metres from the stone bridge, and trust me, it feels like I'm out in the wops, it's great. Out the where? Out in the wops? You don't say that? No. Oh, just means out in the middle of nowhere. Just out in the burbs. Just with, like, the Spanish families. 600 metres from the centre of the town. <laughs> That's a long way in Girona terms, though. I mean... If you have to walk 600 metres in Girona, you're like, oh, all right. Flip-flops on. Yeah, exactly. Burks. <laughs> seen a lot of those about polishing the cobbles. <laughs> that's, um, that's how you know you're not from Spain, because you're wearing Burks at this time of the year, and shorts. Well, everyone else is in their winter boots, and, like, yeah. <laughs> gloves still on in the 26 degrees. People say that there's, like, a day where the locals just switch into their summer outfits and it's just this sudden change and I don't quite know the date but it's definitely not now maybe maybe we can like but it's like that guy that guy we saw out cycling today I was literally just about to mention him some dude rolled past like longs oh did he have overshoes he had a buff on up to to his sunglasses yeah yeah and Um, it was at least 20 degrees it was I was it was hotter than that I think it was like 24 and like muggy it was so hot but I didn't he didn't strike me as um being from Spain. Well, I mean, you couldn't see. There wasn't an inch of skin showing. You've got no idea. Just the bike, though. Mm. I think he was riding like a felt. Okay. So Not I Spanish. What, no, what's what's or, the Spanish like? Orbea, maybe? Mm. MMR? I've not heard of those. Just like classic Spanish. Oh, what's what's another one? BT? BT Oh, yeah, twin? BH, BH. Oh, BH. Yeah, BT's like 
British phone company. It's BH. Okay, maybe not that one then. BH, I know yeah. what you mean. And he had like quite a like a helmet that didn't look like what a classic. It wasn't Spook. Spook? Spook. Spook. I know exactly what you mean, like the one that looks like a melted Swiss cheese yeah. into a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Spanish was like masters and love those. And like the little um little sort of speed dealer glasses. <laughs> and making such sweet. The what? The speed dealer glasses? You don't know it, that it must, too. Be, it must be another New Zealand reference, but I know exactly what you mean. Just like the little like thin shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, making quite major sweeping generalisations. Barbecue here. dad shades, like yeah, exactly. tiny little Oakleys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if I'm offending any uh, Spanish men out there, but I, I don't. This this podcast certainly doesn't have enough listeners to even touch the sides of. Okay, good, good. OG Spanish men good. in spirit helmets. I can make it up to them by giving them a toe. When yeah. I pass them out on the road. Exactly, in your slipstream. Yeah, sit there for a while. My next question then, which I thought about ages ago, and mm. I was wanting to butt in, but I just let you finish. Yeah, um, let me do my little thing. Exactly. Do my rant. Given your job, you can mm. live basically anywhere in Europe, mm. I'm guessing. Mm. Why Girona? Uh, well, now it's just become a matter of convenience. But when I first moved to Europe, in 2000, well, started 2019 because I won the Zwift Academy. They did you? I didn't know that. Did you not know that? No. Did you genuinely not know that? I didn't. No, no. I. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. Oh my god! Wow. My context of you is shaking your bottle upside down at Rancho. That's amazing. And then the handful of conversations actually, we've had about New Zealand. That over actually winter. makes me so excited though, that someone doesn't know that I won the Zwift Academy because I feel like it's just a bit of a label and I don't like the label. Well, now you've put it straight back on yourself, so... Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I, I've i worded that wrong. It's not that I don't like the label, it's just I don't like the connotations that come with being a Zwift Academy winner. What is it? Are they connotations from the Peloton? Or, like, just Just the from, like, people in general. They just think you can't ride a bike outdoors. Just these, like, stereotypical yeah, yeah. thoughts of Zwift riders. Especially when you see Jay Vine doing well. I mean, you don't mm. know any pro cyclists, so you won't know Jay Vine, but... I, I actually do know him because someone mentioned the Zwift Academy. I guess I can't remember why I was having a conversation about the Zwift Academy and, like, has anyone actually stuck around? And then someone was like, Jay Vine. <laughs> and then I was right here and you didn't even realise. Didn't it, like, hidden in plain sight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's because you no, took well... those corners like an absolute weapon earlier. <laughs> Carving around so smooth. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think I came from Zwift, would you? Exactly. I thought you'd be like straight line sprinting into the back of me <laughs> trying to go through me yeah and then like I press a little button on the front of my bike exactly. and I have a burrito coming out my bum <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing on Zwift? something like that I haven't been on Zwift in a while though but yeah I mean it was it was certainly a good way of getting into the sport but then also upside down land like there's not that many people that come I guess Australia there's like a few but how, how many women come from New Zealand? more recently because you've been paving the way for everyone, haven't you? Post Swift Academy. Maybe, maybe inspiring a couple of people. Yeah. But I think after COVID, people in New Zealand were so like, get me out of here, and a lot more people wanted to come over to Europe and try the cycling dream out. And I think it's just begin becoming a bit more accessible just through seeing other people doing it and yeah. having like contacts and people that you can ask for like advice and insights. But yeah, going back to what was the initial question, because I don't, I don't like to talk about my Zwift past too much. But disclaimer, like, 
I am very thankful and will be forever grateful to all the opportunities and everything that Zwift has provided for me. But I at mean, some point in time, you're like, I'm a professional road cyclist now. I'm not just the Zwift Academy winner from 2018. Yeah, exactly. And every time the Zwift Academy rolls around, it's like you get questions like, how did it feel to win the Zwift Academy? What was it like? And it's, it's, it's five years ago now. Like, my brain has sort of put that in the past. Yeah. But I mean, I guess even if you've made it to where you are, because I think there's probably a connotation that comes with it that like you almost don't deserve to be there. Yeah, because exactly. Because you haven't like, fought your way in yeah, through the... that's the thing. But the whole point of it is to get people who yeah. don't live in Belgium. Like, to, and they just people just don't think that you're very good because you've come through the Zwift Academy. Exactly, you're, like, you're gifted it. When yeah. it's, like, it's not really how it works, but... Yeah, and it's like, actually, no, I can hold my own in a road race. Things, even if you and had I, made it here, you, it would have taken so much longer because you're on the other side of the world. Like, yeah. And I'd like to think that if I hadn't have won the Zwift Academy, I still would have made it to a similar position in the sport, yeah. albeit just with a bit more like financial investment on my side, because I'd have to get myself to Europe somehow, and that's quite an expensive task for New Zealand. It's also a big commitment as well. Yeah. Like, you've got to be pretty confident you're going to do it, and obviously have the financial backing to do it, rather than just being like... Yeah, exactly. Oh. And it's scary as well. Yeah. Because when I won the Zwift Academy, when I travelled to the finals, that was my first time that I'd ever been in Europe. And I was like 18. And it's like a whole new world. Yeah. Like I hadn't used, hadn't been on a train before. You hadn't been on a train? No. You trains in New Zealand? Not really, no. That's Just wild. like freight trains, but no passenger trains or anything. Not where I am anyway. I think in Auckland they might have like... But still. Just yeah. the fact that... Well, I guess you're only 18, so it's not like you were... Maybe I was 19, but yeah, some, something around there. Still, you were young enough that maybe not getting a train is acceptable. Yeah. Starting <laughs> by 45 on your first ever train. Yeah, just a few things that blow your mind when you come to Europe. Um, so yeah, back to, back to moving to Girona. They had an apartment set up in Girona, so it was just a logical step to just move to Girona because that's where the apartment was and I wasn't going to say, no, I'd rather move here because I knew absolutely nothing about Europe and where I'd want to live. So, And I'd heard great things about Girona and I'd heard that other cyclists had gone there so I figured that it was a good place to go but even back in the start at the start of 2019 it definitely like I thought I was just being a sheep by going to Girona because it just seemed like the popular place to go but back then it was a very small cycling community even four years ago compared to now it's boomed so much even since then and it's, whew, I mean, I it's think, crazy yeah, now. I think, obviously, it's something I've seen, and pretty much everyone who's lived here since before COVID. Yeah, I was, exactly I was here in BC before COVID. <laughs> Sorry, you could get the special stamp of you are original and cool. You were here first. Yeah, no, I really um, wasn't. But imagine, imagine how the people feel that actually were here. Yeah, yeah, I can see. Like, there's some people who've like settled down with families and like they've made a life here. I can, I think a lot of that must be COVID. Surely, like the amount of people that can now remote work mm. and maybe ride a bike and like maybe I'll just live somewhere sunny where there's other mm. side because there's definitely I guess maybe it's like the Zwift Academy snobbery is that the right word where it's like there's that like being world tour cyclist almost like or a, a pro cyclist kind of earns you the right to live in Girona yeah and everyone else is like what are you doing here as a management consultant yeah. riding before work yeah that's um, true yeah it's sort of like oh you're not a professional cyclist yet you're yeah. living in Girona or people who like them, they just cycle for fun or they just how dare they yeah how dare <laughs> they come to Girona but uh, yeah it was just uh, a logical place to move four years ago five years ago 
and now I've been here a while and last year I was seriously considering moving somewhere else but now it's just got to the, and I actually bought a car because I thought that would help facilitate my move further afield. I mean how much but, further afield? Well I really wanted to go up to near Andorra but still be in Spain. In the mountains then? Yeah yeah but it would be like a two and a half hour drive to Barcelona airport and I wouldn't have any friends in this town. I, I, I always forget that as well actually about Girona like there's a reason there was that like pocket of pro cyclists who moved here it's like based in the middle of Europe like for your Spanish races your Belgian like it's so easy to get everywhere yeah, to all your European races. It is a little bit annoying getting from Barcelona airport it's like it's a one train two trains yeah but sometimes if you arrive really late then there's no train mm. and you have to take a taxi and if you're by yourself then the taxi is quite expensive I mean short just of living small the things airport, like though. that but, and then sometimes when you fly into Girona Airport versus Barcelona Airport, it's like, oh, this is so much better. You just really like appreciate the Girona Airport, but it doesn't have too many flight options. So that's one thing. It's just easier to get to the airport from so Girona. big international airport. Also, if you were going to America or Australia, like Barcelona is big enough that you can, yeah, and you I can, can get out. I can fly to New Zealand. Well, not straight to New Zealand, but I can get direct flight paths to New Zealand from Barcelona Airport. So that's also quite good. But yeah, I really wanted to move further away, but also it's, um, it's just the visa thing as well, because I have a Spanish visa. And I think once you commit to a certain visa from a country, then you need to stick with it. So in order to, to get, get residency, or... yeah, to get ultimately to get like full permanent residence, residency in Spain, you need to be here for five years. So I'm on. You can move anywhere in Europe after that, could you? Wow. If you wanted to. Guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on year three of this visa, and I need to spend 275 days, at least per year. What? How do you manage to do that as a cyclist? Well, it's easy because they don't know when you're coming and going. Uh, if you're in the Schengen area, but okay, if you're okay. in the, if you go to the UK, you get your passport stamped. If you go to New Zealand, obviously you get your passport stamped. So you need fewer than and seventy I think things, days out of Europe. What's that? You need fewer than seventy days out of however many it is yeah, out of Europe. Yeah, ninety days. Yeah, and things are becoming increasingly electronically controlled, so you can't really get away with, you know, just going somewhere and then staying there for a while. Like you have to be quite quite good about it and quite strict with yourself yeah. so I don't really I can't because of that I don't want to to move somewhere in like maybe in France because it's just easy because my visa's here yeah and then everything else is here as well in terms of like social security and stuff and you know those small processes I mean like my like, car's registered here yeah. I'm registered to the town hall in Girona it's just easy you know all my, all my residency is linked here so that's why I'd go into the mountains in Spain but I'd need to take some friends with me because oh, so I'd get really it, lonely. Is that what you're doing? You're just trying to like collect. Are you like having conversations at the cafe? Like, you think like <laughs> moving to the moving to the mountains, just like I, slowly like dropping. Income. I think I could get a couple of people to go with me. Maybe. Yeah. There's a nice cafe in this town where I want to go. It's hard to say. This town. It's like Puch Puch Cedar. But yeah, it's sort of on the border of France, Spain, Andorra. It sounds like maybe that. 800, 900 meters altitude. So it's nice, crisp, clean air. You can see the mountains if you want. That yeah. sounds like a real trip. It's, it's really nice. I drove through there on the way back from Andorra last year. I thought, this is my place. I'm going to settle. But I'm yeah, to collect ins- people. instead I moved 600 metres from the old town. <laughs> but, you know, little steps. Out of the wops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out of the wops. I mean, yeah. 
I guess the problem is like even if you can collect people, the people that you might want to live with might not be the people who are willing to move with you. So mm. it's quite like a, a a very small overlapping Venn That's diagram. That's the thing. Isn't it? Yeah, but at I'm, the same time, I still want to be a pioneer and create my own Girona. No, not not so big as the current one in terms of like popularity. Just the people that you like. Are you yeah. gonna be like? I want to be one of those leaders. Controlling people. Yeah, one of those leaders that like starts starts the new place. And then you can get on the next podcast and be like, "I was there first. Yeah, like you tried to with gravel in yeah. a steamboat. <laughs> tried to claim that earlier, you know, it didn't really work. <laughs> Absolutely it. not. It's a hard no from me. <laughs> tried to like subtly make that point. No, <laughs> shut down. <laughs> one year before COVID, gravel was already a thing. I mean, the fact that. A, like a world tour road team asked you to go there probably says that like it was a thing that was either like mm. on the way but Kenyans try to quite forward thinking also though I'll take your and, word for it you and Kenyan Kenyan I think are probably one of the original producers of good gravel bikes are they not? I don't know actually I don't like know. in Kenyan Grail that seems to have been around for a while now yeah yeah you're probably right I actually, I actually don't know the history of gravel bikes off the top of my head no, I think maybe I between them and Canon, like whichever bikes, you know, like the the endurance road bikes when they started making slightly like so you could put thirty two. Ah, true. It's probably like the it's probably, I guess all the big ones probably did it about the same time. I'm trying it? to think of like the first ever gravel bike that I saw. Out in the wild. Out in the wild, the first person I knew that had a gravel bike. I mean, there's always Can't been some put a like finger on it. crusty beach dad who's had a gravel bike basically forever, like a mountain bike with drop bars on. And, yeah, true. Someone who's just trying to be a bit alternative. Yeah. I, uh, to be fair, I, I, it is cool, like, diving back into, you know, have you heard of the Tour Divide? No. Well, for me, this is like the equivalent for me of hearing, like you hearing that I didn't know you'd won the Zwift Academy. This for me is like, how have you not heard of the Tour Divide? <laughs> to, a, to a divide. To a divide. It's like, so it starts in Canada and it goes down to Mexico City. It's like mm. one of the original ultra endurance routes. Okay. And it goes over like the Rockies, and it's like the spine of in America, it's like California, then Rockies, and then the rest. I think the Rockies are one of the only mountain ranges in the world that run north to south. I believe. That's a good fact. Fun fact, because one of the only not... other ones is the Remarkables in the South Island near Queenstown, New Zealand. New Zealand. There you go. That yeah. is a good fact. Yeah. Like the twin mountain range. Yeah. Well, north to south, boom, straight down. Continue. There was a bike race there yeah. that has now become really popular because it's like fits with the ultra gravel, the thing that mm. is gaining popularity or has arrived popular. But it's been going since like 2000 and I think 2004. I might have made that up, but it was just like mm. five dudes who rolled up at the start line, and now it's like this now it's a big specialized thing. in making films about it and oh, okay. all the trappings of gravel come with it. And like some of the gravel events, like. Unbattle, what was Dirty Kanza like, have been going forever. It's just they've only got popular recently. Mmm, true. So I think, I feel like gravel bike is probably the same, whereby, well, it's cyclocross bikes. They've been around forever. People choose them, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's actually hard to pinpoint when mm. the first true gravel bike came out. Because you get like the specialised Crux, which is a cross bike, but it fit mm. really big tyres, and then people start. Anyway, I don't know. If but I also think you have completely different geometry on a cyclocross bike, don't you? Yeah, so yeah, so they like started becoming like slacker and mm. less crossy. Like my brother, yeah. he had a, a specialized crux and he didn't seem to be able to ride over 100k on it without destroying <laughs> his back. <laughs> that sounds like the setup rather than the bike. We'll give it. We'll give the bike a break. <laughs> True. 
Now yeah. he's got his little hover bar from your old. Exactly. Old I think he's loving life now on the grail. Yeah. I bet he is. Yeah. I bet he is. So if he, new person. Is, that, is it older brother or younger? Younger. Nice. Yeah. Are you from like a inverted commas cycling family? Or have you both just got into it? Mm, no, my parents, they're not like cyclists, but they were very active when I was younger. So they did multi-sport events and triathlon and they, they rode bikes, but not exclusively. And they never the did. The face you're pulling while she's showing me that is like, you did give me like an eye roll face and say, <laughs> oh, they were multi-sport parents. No, no, it was cool. They were, they did running races rather than cycling races. Oh, cool. So they'll do, my dad did quite a few marathons and trail running events. And yeah, they, they dabbled in swimming, but they weren't very good, so they didn't do too many triathlons. Not a big swimming family. Not a, But yeah, cycling was probably a constant throughout the different events that they did. Mm, cool. I did, yeah, I did quite a bit of running, but then just gravitated to the cycling side of things. And then my brother always seemed to get into whatever I was doing. And because we're an outdoorsy family, he was also like, he was into like, the outdoors and nature and stuff and he was not very good when he first started cycling nature and stuff <laughs> don't pick up on every little thing <laughs> sorry. i say then we'll be here me. for hours <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even realize i'd said that um so oh, i've completely lost my train of thought now yeah you shouldn't have said that you tried <laughs> to roast me mean. and then that's just backfired hasn't it yeah it has um, also, it's like there's there's so much going on just like on the visual. Your facial expressions are giving me so much more than the conversation. It's like triggering <laughs> no, so many additional really thoughts. <laughs> um, just a really animated person. Yeah, you know? exactly. How much younger is your younger brother? Um, he's two thousand and one, so I think he's twenty two. Hideous. How when were you, when were you born? Nineteen ninety eight. I'm twenty four. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, two years apart. It's only a little bit younger, so definitely that age where, yeah, just copy everything, yeah. nature and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he probably, he might get a little bit, um, a little bit angry if I said that, but that's seemingly what he just did. He just did most things that I did. Well, I think, lucky for you, there's very little chance he's going to listen to this. So yeah, he doesn't say, even watch my YouTube videos, so well, you he's, can... he's a bit evil like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was terrible when he first started cycling, but then now he's actually quite competent on a bike and he, oh, yeah. would, he would smash me Com when, like when he's got enough carbs on board competent by like bike handling do you mean or like oh, every, just in everything he's just very strong i think he's a bit like me not so much of a sprint or a punch but he can just go and go and go churn when he's had a good breakfast yeah well you know what he should get on zwift there's this thing <laughs> no, he called hates, Zwift Academy. he hates zwift it's because he likes nature and stuff he ha <laughs> He has um, a special uh, like third-party app on his laptop, which means when he goes onto Strava, he doesn't see any Zwift rides. Just what well, he he like goes he, out of his way to screen them out. Yeah, he downloaded an app, so I mean I'm he not, sees I'm, no, not big no on, Zwift. I'm not big on the Zwift, but that is like next-level commitment yeah. to eradicating it from your life. Like, yeah, he consciousness. he really despises Zwift. And he has that would, got anything to do with what he was self-conscious about Zwift Academy? Because your brother's like. No, driving he, it home to you no he's um he he was quite i think he he didn't say anything about zwift academy it's, it's more it's more come in recent years actually because that was five years ago so i'm trying to leave it in the past sorry i'm not mentioning bring, it sorry you keep bringing it up no but he's just seemed to develop developed a bit of a hate for it yeah and he he wouldn't be shy in telling you that well and also but like the additional context is where you i presume your brother is also from 
the weather's mm. horrible so I'm guessing there's like a big indoor training like of the cyclists there a lot of them must indoor train in winter yeah quite a and, few people yeah it's not horrific weather in the winter but it's just pr- similar to the UK I think yeah I mean but that's pretty bad in New Zealand we don't need mud guards really does it not rain it rains but I don't know what it is about the UK but when I was in Bath like a couple of a month or so ago everyone's on mud guards no I didn't see I didn't see too many cyclists out but I was riding along these roads and I was like oh, I can see why people in the UK have mud guards the lanes were just filthy. They were. There was so much like mud and cow shit, and I just, I was thinking to myself, is this even like a road? Am I supposed to be here? Would a normal cyclist who knows the area go down this road? Because it was just, it was a disaster down down some of those lanes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Like, pretty much all. You can either have a main road where you get like aggressively passed by Range Rovers mm. or you can go down like cow shit lane yeah there's no in between that's sort of what I discovered whereas in New Zealand we don't have those cow shit lanes we De- just have roads that describe to me is it a, describe to me a New Zealand road then big wide clean no we don't have that many roads okay and we have a f- like we have a couple of main roads leading to and from my city but and you can ride on those actually pretty okay because the, you can still the state highway one of the South Island you can ride on it. It just has what is in like the equivalent of a motorway. Yes. Wild. How? Because. Because <laughs> there's no cars. It's not like a four lane motorway or anything. It's just like two lanes. When you get closer to the cities, it does widen, and it might be two or three lanes, and you can't ride on those sections coming like right into the city. But probably 10k away from the city, you can ride on them no problems when they're just like just the, the rural state highway. And then aside from those roads, there might be like two or three others that you can choose out a bit further away from the city. But apart from that, there aren't like you can't pick and choose your lanes. That's for it's sure. It's like you are doing a ride. You are doing a loop, and there is one way around that loop. There is no in between. You commit to this 110k loop. Or if you don't want to do that massive loop, then you ride out that road and you come back the same way. I mean, that's, you do love an out and back. I, that's where my love of out and back stems from, I think. It's just what I'm Early used riding. to. It's, Anything it's, less than 100k is an out and back. Yeah, it's my bread and butter. Do you... What, like, how would you rate the riding from where you're from then? It's really good, but it's just limited roads. And some of the roads have quite rough chip, I think, like the UK. Like, like, yeah, like... Uh, just what? a really sturdy road chip. <laughs> Just like really grippy and quite a bit of resistance with every pedal stroke. Good when it's raining though. Like whereas in Spain it's like d- death on a stick when yeah. it rains. Yeah, that's true. Zero resistance when it's you not. You'll find no Spanish tarmac in New Zealand. That's for sure. <laughs> not an ounce of it. No. Even when it's fresh. Do you not like? Do you not occasionally get that like, really smooth blacktop? Well, there's this road that I really like to ride at home in my city, and it like goes down the harbour. And they've recently resealed it and widened it so it has this bike path which, which takes you all the way out to the, the head of the harbour, which is that's like an amazing ride and it's so nice on a, on a sunny, calm day because the harbour's so still and it's, it's gorgeous. But they resealed it and the road surface was actually quite nice beforehand, but there seems to be the new default road surface that they put down when they're resealing something is even worse than before. It's this really rough trip. <laughs> so they resurfaced this lovely road with just this awful stuff. Yep. But actually it just encourages you to use the bike path because that's, that's smooth. Or, or the gravel bike. 
Yeah, well, the gravel bike was perfect for it. Because we have the same in the UK. Whenever they put like they put like fresh black tarmac down, and then maybe within like three weeks, they're like, okay, now we're just gonna like throw some tar on, and then they like chuck yeah. gravel on top, and then it's like like icing on it, like horrible gravel icing on it. Yeah, that's really shitty cake stuff. you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just encourages you to ride the bike path. Unfortunately, are you a bike path hater? I mean, there's been a couple of times on the way into Girona, you were like, no, no bike path. <laughs> they are I, hectic down there. I appreciate a good bike path. But it's got to be a good one. Like in Belgium or in the Netherlands, especially like along the canals in Belgium, they are really fun. nice. Yeah. And in the Netherlands, also the cyclists on the bike paths, just your everyday commuters, they are wild. They know how to handle a bike. You have some close close calls on those bike paths and they just are not flustered. Whereas in New Zealand, if you pass someone on a bike path and you don't have a bell to ring, they will just lose. Yes, they will lose their minds. They will just rip your head off. Be like, get a bell! And people just can't handle you going 30k an hour compared to their 15k an hour. Yeah, I get a real fright. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you're right. In, in like, yeah, you go to the Netherlands or Belgium and yeah, there's like grandmas ripping about and they're yeah. like, hooting basically, along. Basically willing to like lean on you around yeah. the corner. <laughs> yes. And they'll pass you with like oncoming traffic and yeah. like make it back into their side of the lane with Did like seconds to spare. Exactly. You're zooming along on their e-bikes whilst yeah. you're groveling along. Yeah. Whereas in New Zealand, you just, you've just got to be on your best behavior. All the and time. You, yeah. And you can't do anything remotely wild. You have to wear helmets in New Zealand, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But what, no, where I was going with that, I'm not making oh. a random point. Oh. Is that like, it's a culture that, same in the UK, albeit we don't have compulsory helmets that like, it makes cycling like a thing that other people do whereas in like the Netherlands every you, you just ride a bike all the time from the day you grow up until like forever mm. whereas it's like so therefore no one wears a helmet it's just it's basically like walking but on two wheels it didn't even cross my mind not to get it I was like oh yeah it's fine I'll get the vaccine yeah it's cool I even got quite excited about it because I went to Perpignan that's a long way away yeah I rode my bike there 130k, I think. Is that all it is? From here? Yeah. No. Yeah. Perpignan's France. Yeah. It? It's only 130k there. Yeah, not even. That was because I took a longer route. What? I think in the car it would be like 110, maybe 100. So Andorra must be close as well then. Yeah. Andorra's like two and a half hour drive, maybe? 200k? Yeah. Two, what? Perpignan's further than. Because like Jerome is here. Yeah. Andorra's like here, Perpignan's like. Oh, yeah. I see, I see. But yeah. that means like the Pyrenees triangle. is close, though. Yeah, it's really close. Ah. Like 70k, maybe, if you rode, you can ride there. Well, why don't we do that today? <laughs> that would be so much fun. Not in two hours. We did 75k today. I did 70. Where did you get... Oh, you got your 5k to and from there. True. Could have just got nipped up there. Yeah. Taily. I have been thinking about it, though. I was supposed to do six hours tomorrow. But I don't... I have, like, three hours on Tuesday now. So that's my long ride ruined. Well, but I was going to ride to France and back. I haven't done that before. I've only just ridden one way. Mm, opportunities are endless from here. It's pretty exciting. I would have been well up for a mountain ride if I'd known and I was here for longer. Well, yeah, you're leaving tomorrow, so it's your own fault, isn't it? I'll be back. <laughs> Ryan here's got your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ryan will be sending me straight back here. <laughs> Which airport is that from in London, though? Stansted is not a good one. Mm. It's not good. Also, it's raining. It is. 
Oh. I've flown out of Stansfield. That was alright though. Yeah. I find UK airports though, they try and take your money wherever they can. I was gobsmacked in what airport was it? Bristol. And you can pay on the spot to get fast tracked through the security. Yeah. You can get Wild. like you can turn up to the security and you can see this queue snaking in front of you and it's got a little sign that says six uh, estimated time to get through security being maybe 40 minutes and then you look at your watch and you're like oh my Spicy. gate's closing in 45 but then they have this offer like sort of like shining at you like pay 10 pay 10 pounds and you can be fast tracked through it's just like just you know Did you pay? no of course not i was like it's not, you're not gonna get there any faster it's the principle it's like they're just trying to catch people out when they've when they've screwed up i feel like though they they, they speed you through it's like you know like they always shout have you, have you ever been like when you're oh, in the yeah, airport queue and they're like anyone for the Barcelona flight and then like loads of disorganised people like rush to the front yeah true so you'd be fine true but it's just like preying on the vulnerable and, well it's like pay this money and you can solve your problem I mean I feel you like we're, we're into a whole different topic of conversation <laughs> in that I feel like pretty much most of life works like that doesn't it what can't be fixed with money True. Like, like pay pay this money to fix your problem is like the way our True, entire society works. True, but at the airport, works. come on, just to get through <laughs> security. I mean, I think mainly because it's raining, and but mm. also because we've been talking for well over an hour. <laughs> Mostly, and like the last fifteen minutes has been total garbage. We've just like we've spoken about <laughs> helmets, vaccines, and that was like that was a ten-minute monologue just on speedy boarding, but. I feel like you've absolutely delivered on what you promised, which was like to be very opinionated. Like, and also, before we started recording, you would give me the lowdown on like all of the different like wheels for bike bags <laughs> and like the, the relative, probably just, a similar level of depth. Like all the different like these have got great wheels, these have got no wheels. I'm just a human encyclopedia. What do you want to know? And and like I store information. It's not like an encyclopedia of like facts. It's like an encyclopedia of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like an endless archive of things. <laughs> I'm quite opinionated, and then I meet someone else that's opinionated. Is that difficult? Do you like lock horns? Yeah. And then I realise, oh, actually, I've got some strong opinions here. Yeah, like, I am hard Cause, work. Because sometimes people just don't argue with me. Do you need a, oh so you need like then, a bit of our you need a bit of pushback but not if them coming to you with fresh well, I'm not used to the pushback so then when I meet someone who's like actually no I don't agree with you or like no nah, that's that's just not the way it is do I'm you respect like, you or does it stress you out do you respect it if, if someone it just makes me think <laughs> yeah I'm opinion yeah well yeah. think what to make you reflect on yeah it makes me reflect yeah in a good way I think in a in a constructive way yeah yeah <laughs> like personal development. What you like? Do you ever reevaluate your opinions based on new information, or are you like locked in now as a twenty-four-year-old? I think I'm locked in on certain things. Like speedy boarding, paying for airport security. Just, I'm locked in on like the more the, the thing, the less important things in life. I think. But if, <laughs> if someone was to come and argue with me on like, I think I think actually that's where my strengths lie. That being opinionated on the things that don't matter so much, the frivolous things. Okay. But if you ask me about like my thoughts on New Zealand politics or tax or yeah, anything that actually sort of matters in the world you're then open that's, to, you're open to ideas. that's where my opinions fall apart I don't really have much to say because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I just more like to think about the positive things you know not the unless it's not small the and doom frivolous. and gloom 
in which case you'll happily rant for a very long time yeah. about things that don't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good way to. That's like a good like character portrait, isn't it? Yeah. If it matters, I have no opinion. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't, much. hit me up. It just gets a bit too serious for me. I'm, I'm not. I'm too light-hearted for that sort of for that sort of chat. And that is where the conversation wrapped up. We kind of went off on a complete tangent and it started pouring down with rain, so I didn't quite wrap it up properly on that Sunday evening. But here I am recording afterwards, letting you know the podcast is over. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you again in a week or two with the next podcast.